Someone asked me recently, what is the coolest part of my job as CEO at Clear Motor Market? I said, well, that's easy. The fact that every day I get to dig into our clients' businesses to learn not only what makes it tick, but what we can do as their partner to deliver the marketing that truly matters to their business. It's like being in a living, breathing case study every day. And for that, I am truly blessed. Hello, Collisions YYC listeners. It's with an overwhelming sense of pride that I wanted to share with you that the marketing agency that I had the pleasure of co-founding and leading is turning 15 years old. Yes, Clear Motive Marketing is 15. I wanted to shout out a huge thank you to all of our clients, past and present, as well as our vendors and all of the incredible team members we've worked with over the years to make this milestone possible. Check us out at clearmotive.ca to learn more about what we can do that matters to you. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to my guest this morning. It's Krista Hill. How are you doing, Krista? I am great, Tyler. How are you? I am fabulous. I'm so excited to chat with you. I've seen you at many events and, and know of you, but don't know you. And that's part of it. Yeah. As everyone knows why I do this. I love to elevate and tell stories about what's happening in our ecosystem, but I also like to meet really cool people that are doing cool stuff. And I put you right directly in that category. So with no I'm further honored. ado, let's let the audience into the tent here a little bit. You are a co-founder at Tacit Edge. And I know that is just a very small point in what you're going to describe. Who are you? What do you do? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Give us the quick little elevator pitch and we'll launch off from here. Sure. Uh, well, my name is Krista Hill, and I'm co-founder along with Renee Matsala of uh, Tacit Edge Product Leadership. And that's just where the road is today. I mean, I come from, you know, I've been in the game in tech on and off in various capacities for over 20 years now, which I can't believe I'm saying that. And, you know, I'm not afraid of what that looks like on my age. Honestly, I think that experience is one of the most valuable things you can have in the world right now. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, but I started my days in tech very early in uh, actually in Alberta Health Services, really getting my hands dirty with understanding data and how that impacts the quality of care for patients in various capacities. Uh, at that point, I was able to get an incredible role uh, being a director of compliance for a little company that did payment processing, which really got me into understanding money movement online. This was something I was deeply fascinated about because I saw the shift that was happening in the banking industry from things becoming more manual to becoming more automated. And I was hooked. I was like, this, <laughs> That's this awesome. is a career for me. And so I went around to a few post-secondary institutions and they looked at me like I had two heads. You know, like I was looking for education on what mm -hmm. this could look like. And they're like, well, you could go get your computer science degree. And I was like, oh, that sounds so interesting. Like, no, not for me. You're not you hearing know? me. You're not hearing me as well when I'm asking yeah. you. Yeah. And they were trying to fit me into some boxes. So here's where my options, which is super funny. They told me that I should be a landman in oil and gas or a teacher or a project manager. And so I looked at all of those job descriptions respectively. And while I had a ton of friends in all of those vocations, I have a ton of respect for those folks, I just didn't feel like I fit. So I just carried on doing what I was doing. And I landed myself um, in an inner city rec center because uh, a lot of folks don't know this about me, but I have a wild career behind me in figure skating uh, and sports and athletics and training and coaching. <clears throat> And I was able to uh, help West Hillhurst, uh, the community center, survive through was an intense financial crisis. So I was coaching in that rink at the time. It was facing closure because we literally had $50 left in the bank account and a 60,000 square foot facility that was past its life cycle. So I used software 
to help us get us on our feet. And that was my first introduction to SaaS, so software as a service. So again, I was even deeply more addicted that this was going to be a huge part of my identity. And after I had my daughter, I returned off a mat leave and I looked around and things had shifted. There were now things like scrum teams happening in Alberta. And I had a very fortuitous dinner uh, invite to somebody in the neighborhood who owned a tech recruiting firm. Agile Recruiting, it was called at the time. And Alistair, the owner, said to me, so like, I know what you've done in this community. It means a lot to us. What's the next chapter? And I looked at him and I was like, I don't know where I fit. Like, you've seen what I can do. What does that look like in tech now? And he's like, funny enough, did you know that there's roles in tech for people with like extremely good social skills? I, I was like, I love how you, I love word. how you teed that up. I love it. And if you know Alistair, you know that that is exactly the thing that he would say. And so we went on a journey together, him and I, where he opened a door for me at Getty. And there was a really great piece of advice that he said. He's like, you know, I can swing open the door, but you got to walk through. You got to do the work. And I was committed. So that began my career on the product side formally, mm-hmm. right? Really taking these skills that I had brought all together all over various industries. And I was able to apply them to really great product development at Getty. And again, I was just, again, really more affirming that this is where I belong. This is where I want to be. That led me to a role at Benevity, which I was just like such a crowning achievement for me to be a part of such incredibly talented teams doing the work that we did to have the success that we had there was just a marvel to be a part of, which then I was able to take those skills and parlay them over to Morgan Stanley, test it one final time to do something I thought was not going to be difficult from a product perspective, but perhaps on the speed side. I wanted to prove that I could build something fairly quickly that was highly valuable and test all my skills just to make sure the curriculum I was writing was like, would hold up. And it did, it flew. And then at that point, COVID hit. Just curious, uh, were you you already, were you writing, like you mentioned the the curriculum that you were creating, when did you start that journey? Was that something where you read, I want to eventually go here and I love what you said about, I need to pressure test this one more time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it actually was born out of a problem, just like any great products that we have. It's because we have a problem we need to solve. And so I was continually always trying to scan and hire for product managers, but I couldn't seem to find one's like me. And so again, I was sort of thinking, you know, I love this. I feel like I'm good at it. How come it's such a hard sell to find folks that see it the way I do, operate the way that I do? Why do I feel like such a like an outsider in my own community? So I started writing because I was training and I needed folks to understand the, the, the why behind my behavior, how I operate, and how we work together because there was such little clarity in the role. Everybody's doing it differently. Everybody is self-taught. Um, and it's when you have that lack of clarity, you have a lot of ambiguity and you also have the ability to keep people held in certain places in their careers because you're always moving the goalpost. But if the goalpost mm-hmm. has never been put in the sand, how can you develop someone? So I had product managers that were working for me. They were thirsty for career progression. I had to find a way to deliver on that as their leader. So that's how it started. It was super small. We had a little book club. We would get together. We would talk about nice. things around core competencies that we identified with. 
We created a culture of learning. Then uh, I happened to be called by Sate and they were like, hey, um, so we hear product management's a thing. And uh, we had this incredible batch of funding through OSIF and, you know, with the School of Advanced Technology to lift something off the ground. Yeah, 2021, back and when they were, yeah, I see the date. Yeah. So it correlates to when there was some activity there around that stuff. Yeah. Totally. And I was like, okay, so here's what you need. Here's the outline. Here's the core competencies. I've got it all for you. And then all of a sudden I stopped and I'll never remember, like, forget this moment on the call. I'm like, assuming like you'd want me to teach it for you, right? Like that, is that going to be allowed? Because I was getting really excited. And Laura Buxis, who was the head of that division at that time, was like, oh my gosh, yes, if you would. Laura, would Laura's great. great. And, I've had her on the show. So I, yeah. I, I met her through the podcast around, around that same time, actually, around that same yeah. time. Her and Craig like, Hess were both on fortitude. the show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's That's like awesome. fortitude I need, to start, in thank a you. I need to circle back and say hello. Her and I probably haven't chatted for a year. Actually. <laughs> oh, you need Laura in your life. Like she is one of those people <laughs> that is like, um, can see you, help you see past the obstacles. And when you're working mm. in post-secondary, we had a very limited time and a very limited budget. We lifted that program within six weeks we were live, which was the fastest that had ever been done in that group. But we were iterating as we went and we just lived product. We built a product literally while the plane was flying. We figured it out. And that program has boasts a 72% higher rate. And remember when I talked about the lack of clarity in the role, yeah. there's also a lot of white males in the role. They still occupy between 69 and 72% of those. And those are hiring practices that we inherited from Silicon Valley. And so the core metric that we wanted for our product in the state program was that we could give you an equal chance at getting this job. Because let's face it, Tyler, we make money. This this is a great job. This job can change your life and the trajectory of your family's opportunity. And we have a ton of newcomers coming to this country who have skill sets where they're going to try and get equivalency exams written so that they can prove their education where we could use those skills today in product management as SMEs. So we wanted to find a way to solve mo many problems with that course. One of them being, how do I become a product manager? Because it was so ambiguous. You had to know a person to know a person to know a person to get the job. There was no formal training to say, yes, I'm certified. Come hire me. None of that. And also there's this, again, this lack of a standard allows us to incorporate so much bias in the hiring process that we can go where we feel like it feels good instead of asking somebody to demonstrate their competency to get the well, job. Just the word so core competency is, alone that's the changes root of it. it. I'm curious, and just it for totally my own does. lack of ignorance on this own journey, you mentioned Silicon Valley, product manager. What is the, like, and I, we could do a whole podcast on this, a little bit of the history lesson around that role and how it's evolved. Did it come yeah, out of the valley? Did it come ages. out of Okay, like, it, Actually, but it probably no, it means something. Okay, is that what it, <laughs> it's like, this had to be around yeah. forever, but then now means something yes. very different in the world we live in now. You know what? We, defining it, I think, is one of the biggest issues we have in this industry. Okay. So if you sit a product manager down, and you ask them what they do, you get a big old story about how crazy their work week, all the meetings they were in. <laughs> and it's not <laughs> one day is not the same. This is one yeah. of the best things about this role. And what makes it so interesting and exciting to me is that we go where the problem is. And by problem, I don't mean problem in a negative sense. I mean, problem-tunity, as in like, the problem we to be see solved. something yeah. that we can go after. And that is what we're chasing. So that takes us into multiple rooms, multiple layers of the business, different people all day long. It's never the same. Oh, so sounds, I can define it, it in Something I would have liked to know about now. when I was younger. Okay. Well, go, you know okay. what? You would have been really well suited for it. So I'm going to cover <laughs> like in four sentences, I'm okay. going to describe to you what a product manager is for once and for all for everyone. And I this has it. not changed since the dawn of time, but it's
it's not been very clearly articulated. And then I would love for us to take a step back and talk about what is a product, because I think a lot of folks get hung up on that word too. So let's start with sentence number one. We need this person in an organization if the core of your business is going to integrate with technology or doesn't have it yet or needs more of it. So let's face it, that's pretty much everyone right now. This is why this role needs education. It's in demand. Number two, what we do actually is we take a look at the business objective that your organization is trying to achieve and we try to map those objectives to opportunities for us to solve problems that we're going to solve that are valuable, that will help us hit that objective. Okay, so we take the business strategy and we break that down into problems that we think our customers might have that we could solve that will add value to that strategy and help you reach that strategic goal. Then, most importantly, we have to define what success looks like and how it will be measured. Okay, that measurement is really important. We have to know if we're getting further away or closer to the goal. And that's a problem for a a lot of product development because we build for a really long time and we don't know. So how can we shorten that? And I'll talk about agility in a minute. (laughs) Let's not get too excited (laughs) about that. And I'll come back to that. But this knowing about whether or not we solve the problem is really at the core of reducing risk in your product build. So we then bring this, these measurements and those goals and these problems to teams. We work cross-functionally. Not one is the same depending on the problem. And we bring this vision to life with a combination of technology, people, services, and processes. Now, early days, it cannot be equally weighted between all those things. It can be a combination of them, and then it shifts and grows and lifts over time as the needs change. And this is not just tech. This is everywhere. So that is what we do. I'm not going to tell you how I do it, because how I do that is like, I'm in the moment. I'm getting, I'm learning about a problem. I'm just going to reach to whoever in the business I think is going to help me with it. So I can't really, there's no template for that. There's now just my inner compass telling me where to go to find out more. Wow. I started writing and I stopped because I just want to be in the moment myself. <laughs> so I'm like, I want to write this down, okay. but this is fabulous. Oh, we got videos for this on YouTube if yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. want to no, revisit I'm sure, it later. I'm sure there is for sure. But I loved it in the moment of like, just, there's yeah. something about writing that also allows me to absorb in a different way. Yeah. Um, and if we can like tackle just for a second before I move on the concept of agility and why this matters. Well, agility in like, both products. I do want to circle back. Yeah. hundred percent. And I want to let everybody know that agility is accessible to everyone. It is just speed to learnings. How quickly you share what you learn with the people around you and everything that I described in all those activities that I'm doing, the quicker I can disseminate information, the more it can be firsthand to people, including users, the faster we can develop, the faster we know if we're reaching that marker of success and the faster we know if we're failing. So that is really not some fancy framework that you need to incorporate. It's a mindset. It's not a coach. It's in your mind. So if you have information that you need to share or you need to bring groups together so that they can collaborate more effectively, that is the act of agility in product management. When I think about the the way you just framed that, and I think about this individual kind of floating, marauding, kind of parachuting in, SWAT team almost esque inside an organization, how do you then speak to some of the challenges that might exist around? Well, who's meddling in my department? And this is what we're focusing on. Like <laughs> it feels like an interesting role that, depending on how you're looked at in the organization, there can be some real change barriers, just human factors to this individual who's bridging so many gaps, which is needed. But there's friction there. Thought, thoughts on that? You're nodding, smiling, nodding as I'm oh, asking yeah. the question. I mean, that's the job. And it's yeah, that, one yeah. of, I would say, 
part of the most interesting parts mm. about it to me because hu humans build products. So if we ship, sh can I swear? I you can, 100%, please. Okay, thank you. Yeah, if we I ship shit. <laughs> please. Right? <laughs> Express yourself appropriately, Krista. <laughs> <laughs> what we've done is we've shipped our org chart, not anything else. Oh. So I we've shipped our my, own chart. Oh, you can't put on that one. That's that's powerful. We you can't hide chart. from that, right? Yeah, and yeah. usually people will bring us into an organization because the, the the magical phrase that we hear is we're not shipping fast enough. And I would say that speed. it's speed. not necessarily as the speed is the the end thing on your skin that you see. It's not it's not what actually caused the problem. So we walk that through and I would say to you that Organizational impediments and humans need to be treated like humans so that we can understand at the core what motivates them and change is hard. And everything that I've described to you represents large change and change coming fast. We now have like AI, which have GPT, like all the things that yeah. like <laughs> magically need to appear in our businesses overnight. And that's hard for a lot of people to A, feel like they understand and come along with. So how I operate specifically, and I think what has set me apart in how I do this role is that I will bring the information to the person and try to ensure that we don't move forward until they feel comfortable with the concepts that I'm talking about. Hmm. Now, remember, my specialty is platform development. So I am like the black screens and like that, like you can't understand what we're working on. You have to use your imagination. So that is, I believe, a bit of a skill within this particular um, competency that you can work with someone who's having a really hard time or literally putting up barriers for you to operate yeah. and be able to sit down with them and just ask them like, what do you need more of or less of from me this week? So we can collaborate, right? Help me understand what a great collaboration between the two of us looks like. Like when was it really great? Like you were loving it versus you're not comfortable. Can you help me understand what that is? And I think we don't peel back enough of the layers of the individual humans involved and just get to know what contribution and positive contribution looks like to them because nobody's ever asked them. Mm -hmm. They just assume that we're paid to show up, have our best ideas between nine and five at our desks. And that's how we roll forward. But I think we all know, like, Tyler, where, where was the last place you had your best idea? Yeah, probably wasn't sitting here at my dad. Well, I was probably having a, no. in, in, it was probably in a fabulous podcast conversation like this is where all my, that's why I do it. That's why I do it. Right? I walk away but going, this is oh, the magic of collaboration. A hundred percent. In an talking. environment where you show up to collaborate and the intention is to collaborate. Yeah. Not to be right. Exactly. Not to just look like you're the smartest person in the room. <laughs> what was your motivations? And that's, it's also why I love this environment because the motivation is to have an outcome of which is just a good conversation. I love that you got into the messy human bits because so many times I'll talk to someone about, well, a framework and a way to do things. I'm like, well, yeah, but what about the human? What about that individual yeah. that showed up with all their stuffs? And, and humans will throw away frameworks and make you look like a dork in yeah. a meeting, not wanting to do it if, <laughs> if we don't take care of that first, to be honest. Yeah, right? to take cover all yeah. those bricks we have in our backpacks that we carry around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Which I love. So a little, bit of like, a little bit of psychology and a little bit of human. I don't want to use the word psychology and put it in a category. Well, it's, it's about understanding the human that's involved. It's in emotional the, in the intelligence, I think. Yeah, and when you think about the top And safety, psychological skills, safety. It's like those lists. Yes. Right? Yeah. The top 10 skills we need in the workforce of the future that will never be able to be replaced by AI anytime soon are digital literacy, data literacy, critical thinking, emotional intelligence, creativity, collaboration, flexibility, leadership skills, time management, and curiosity. So everything that I've described you, you to hit you, my, my curiosity is my love language. This but is like, I love it. You know, mm. this is the job of the future. 
that was not that long ago, maybe even today in some boardroom were all described as soft, fluffy skills. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Which are the things that oh, will actually them. keep you in, yeah. actually allow you to stay in business and excel if you, if you show up. Yes. So how much yeah. of your program when you're, when you're teaching the competencies and helping them understand the how of those bullet points you sent, how much of the curriculum is weighted towards this part, the human part, the ability to influence, communicate, understand, have empathy, all the soft side? I would say every scenario. And so the beautiful thing about what we all did with it, the Tyler, all of it, Tyler, all of it. No, not all of it. But I mean, we, we cover off the basics, right? We tell you the what you have to do, which when everyone's coming along in the room and it's perfect, works. Yeah. But that's not real life. And I, I love how people are like, well, if you read this book, you'd get it. And if you read that blog, you would totally get it. It's like, okay, if reading solved this problem for me, <laughs> we would not continually be publishing books like Madness, right? So let's stop with all the books and let's talk to each other like real people. So we recorded our content and it's basically a series of videos, storytelling, talking about where and how it can go wrong. And if it does, how you get back up and you try again. So this is, you know, in a role that is highly visible in an organization, highly paid to, by the way. And if you walk into a room and they think you don't know what you're doing, well, forget about it. Like that yeah. is like, that is not how this goes. And so there's a lot of imposter syndrome and a lot of fear and anxiety in this role that can emerge. So how do we talk about failure and give people language to articulate when to roll the room back to discover more about the problem before we roll forward? Because it may not just be you in the room that doesn't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I would hazard a guess that it never is. Yes. I would especially well. in wildly technical realms. And you know, for us, when we're teaching the curriculum, then we're going to tell you a story about how it went completely off the rails, right? And then what was the surprising thing that came out of it that we didn't know before that we needed to know? So how was that derailment worth it? And how was it valuable? So, you know, I say this thing and I, I heard it in a song not too long ago where it's like, don't pay full price for each mistake. And I think it was Pink, actually, that's, that oh. said that in a song. And honestly, I was like, oh, that's it. Like, don't pay full price for each mistake. Make small mistakes, but then bring the room with you. Have the skills to understand how to roll us back forward now that we know more. And how can that be a we thing instead of just a you thing? So, yes, we, we touch on a lot of the emotional components on how to build psychological safety, to have challenger safety, to be able to have people tell you the truth in the room because we know when our product's about to fail and if nobody's saying anything we're going to pay now or we're going to pay later what would we like to do as a team yeah. so every time that it's gone wrong at least for me from a product perspective i had an inner knowing that we were off the rails and i didn't have the courage to speak up or i just assumed that people knew more about it than i did and Ooh, I that's must, very powerful me. that one there's the there's the courage yeah. but there's also like well oh those the, there's those people are smarter they must get it and if they think it's yeah, okay then who am i who am i just like who am i, I think we've yeah. all, and that's and where imposter really syndrome important. really plays into that slice right yes. there mm. yeah Good old so imposter talking syndrome. about what you leave on the table yeah, <laughs> yeah and what you leave on the table when you don't you know take that inner knowing that you should be listening to and surface it and just say to the group like i have some things that are going on for me is it okay if I share some observations with you and then how can we partner together to work through these things? A lot of this is coaching language, but well, again, because we were able to bring that into the curriculum because of our background, it's dynamite in the room because as I said, there's no product problems. There's mm -hmm. only 
people and human obstacles and, you know, challenges and things that we can learn about each other to get better. Um, you mentioned, and this, I, I'm curious, um, what is the pay scale for these roles? Because I've heard so many oh. stories and you've referenced it a couple of times. Yeah. So I'm going to a very tactical question. I'm like, tell me about the dollars. Oh, it's great. And we'll, and we'll circle back. It. But what is the pay scale? Uh, first entry level role minimum. You're looking at about eighty five to eighty seven thousand dollars to get okay. started. That's significant uh, for, and you know, people will say, it, it, "Well, that's for a junior role." But let's be clear with each other. There's nothing junior about this job. <laughs> I'm not hearing which that. I think at it's all. hilarious. I'm not hearing that. You know, all. like when you think about what we do, it is hilarious to me as an organization that we would say, "Well, you're a junior," so it's like, "Well, no, you're coming in at almost a sub executive level." Based on the um, influence so think, that you need to have to be effective, absolutely. Yeah. It shouldn't be yeah. hierarchy down because that's if that you're not going to actually allow them to excel at those points. You, you can't change it an organization work. too from work. the associate level. It just it's impossible. So, you know, there are some challenges in the industry around us defining what junior is. Uh, but I would say it starts at between eighty five and eighty seven thousand dollars and can go up as high as two hundred and twenty thousand before you even hit a director level, depending on who you're working for. Mm. So so there's some appeal there's some upside. There's gotta be, 100%. and I know you talked a lot about in, in the inclusive and how do you th- Ageism has to play a huge part in this because if I've got someone who's come in trained, but they're younger and I'm in a room of engineers, just picking on engineers for a minute, that are all older white dudes and someone all of a sudden in their late twenties, who's done all this training is going to come in and tell me, like, I'm sure that that is a nonstop yeah. barrier. And that's just one, I'm just picking on age. <laughs> that's only one thing I, I'm, I'm I picking agree. on. <laughs> I have to say to you, like my confidence as I've gone through the decades has definitely increased, not only because I've been exposed and learned so much from those engineers. And they really took their time to sit with mm-hmm. me and Back hold space or aspect. give it to me like I'm five, right? And because I was able to do that, I could understand what they were doing, the value of it, so that I could keep the business engaged and excited about their work, which is hard to do when it's just black screens and you know the Tr- fancy thing that trust sales me, wants. Trust me, trust me. Yeah. yeah, it's tough going. So I would say that, yes, uh, coming in young, you know, may or may not be something that is uh, an impediment for you in your career. But I have to say that the more wisdom you gain with the years that you get on the job and the more sharing you do about that wisdom, the more you're engaged with the community and the more public speaking you do because you can really articulate yourself well, I think that's really more important in age. If you can get up on a stage and like really get me excited about something that I can't wait to have in a company, some piece of value we're <laughs> going that, after, that I can't something wait that I can be able to do. Yeah, that's really at the heart of it. Um, it doesn't matter how old you are when you do that. You'll still get people just as excited and they will, you know, you'll garner the the kind of respect that you need, but really it's how you show up in the conversation. And I folks, I think that the, the younger ones that I do mentor kind of err on over communicating uh, the idea to a certain degree. And it's just more like, how do we become more succinct in a room so that we're leaving space for others to contribute? Cause there's a lot of excitement and energy with, with youth, right? And we just have to, you know, with age, I find I'm way more patient. I'm quieter. I'm much more um, tuned to hear other people's perspectives first before I share. Not because I don't think mine are valuable, but I'm trying to learn from them. So my uh, back angle to curio- in the room curiosity, is a little different. The anchor yeah. that you threw in in that, in that list versus, yeah. no, Instead no, let me, let, myself, let, me prove right? to, let me prove to you how much I know. Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, are you seeing, obviously there's a startups community, obviously 
when your business interfaces integrates with technology, are there sectors or even we'll just talk about Western Canada. We'll pick on we'll pick on Calgary, the city I love to to rave about because I'm a, I'm very pro Western mm-hmm. Canada. Where are we doing this well? Is it in the brand new startups where there's just less norms and less things to break away from? Or are you seeing it with some of the large organizations that are kind of starting to really get that to be competitive, we've got to adopt some of these skills? You know what? It's individual pockets of people. Mm, It's not uh, by industry at all. It would surprise you to know who is embracing this more than others. It's not uh, necessarily in the startup community because everyone's in the hustle. They're just trying to get things done quickly and they're trying to build to get funding. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think that where I'm seeing it being embraced the most is when we can sit down, take a breath, and we're just about to scale. And if we're just about to scale and we don't have those core anchors in place to scale great habits, chances of failure between startup and failure are, or and startup and scale up are through the roof if we don't have people in the room that have done it before. And I think really what we're trying to do with our education is make sure that there's enough people in the room that can help you be that anchor, even if. Um, they haven't had 20 years in the game. Like what are some core competencies that they can bring to the conversation around risk that you're facing right now that they can help you surface? And, you know, to me, it's such a huge opportunity, especially in the entrepreneurship community. So we piloted a really cool program with Alberta Innovates um, a couple of months back where we took a whole bunch of entrepreneurs from a few of their programs and we taught them product management so that they could be the first product manager in their company and stop pretending like you're not because you are. Because when you hire me and you come in and I have to like do this tug of war with you about decisions, I know you are the person that was closest to the user, you've done all the work to get us the funding. Like there's so much attachment and trust issues between those initial product teams and some founders just because of how invested they are in it. So how do we put the mindset of what I need to do? So in them, so that they know what good looks like when I show up so that there's less of that tug of war, right? That we can Mm, collaborate. Training both sides of the the equation. Yeah. Yes. And also educate around risk and failure that they can avoid sooner. Like I think a lot of folks are that we encounter in startups, they're, they're building to try and get the funding that they want. And while this is awesome, sometimes we lose sight of the problem that we're solving and solving it for one person first and then more. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's more than two ways to fund your business. And I think where, you know, Alberta's got a big culture around startups But I also think that we need some more diversity in thinking around what that can look like from a funding model for people so that they can learn skills. Like they could come to a five-week program and they could self-fund, right? Like why are we so reliant on a particular model that we think we need, either grants Mm -hmm. or like VC money when like, for instance, um, you know, women notoriously are not the most um, active in going to an accelerator because we just like, I don't know, for some reason... And they studied this out in Toronto. There was a woman I was talking to and she said, you know, they had to have a very outbound strategy, attracting female entrepreneurs into accelerators, which I thought was interesting, something that we could maybe take a look at here Hmm. so that those women could get into these accelerators and be seen by funders because we know traditionally still, uh, and it's not for everyone and not every VC is this way, but typically only 3% of funds do go to female entrepreneurs. This, the, the, so the, the, the stats there's are, the something, stats are there's there something wrong in the funnel. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's something up with the funnel. Well, I, I think, think like, like, like looks at, look like at. looks at like, like looks for familiarity. Like there's a lot of things you Could do. And, be, and I know there are people there's, there's out there that are trying. Biases. 
There are. Yeah. Well, there's but some, the math, there, the math isn't lying. <laughs> I, I know. Uh, you, you can, you can argue with my beliefs, but these are the, these are the, these are actually yeah. the facts. These are yeah, actually math, the facts. Math wins arguments, Tyler. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> no, I had a, I had an early stage, uh, funder that they say to me, say, listen, Tyler, like, if you cannot take money from me, you probably shouldn't. If you can do it on your own, he's like, that sounds counterintuitive to say, but he goes like bringing me in, that should be not your first option. So it kind of plays into what you said a little bit. And I appreciate that he was honest yeah. enough to put it that way. He goes, if you can do it without giving up some of your company to me, then you probably like, that's what I would do. And I was like, you know what? Thanks yeah. for being honest about that statement. <laughs> well, and honestly, we are quite <laughs> convinced that the product management acumen gives you choice, right? If you're a product manager and mm. you're looking to realize value more quickly, you may be able to capitalize yourself in ways you hadn't considered because your end goal was to get funding this way. What if we could show you a way to realize value over the short term, medium term, and long term? Yes, you're not going to have your big exit story, that, but that's not for everyone, right? Like what you're really talking about actually is trying to build businesses that, that getting revenue from your customers sooner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe having passive income in your retirement. Maybe that's your business right? You're not going to be looking for VC funding for that. So we really want to be teaching mm-hmm. this acumen in the entrepreneurship community to provide choice. If you have choice, you have options. If you have options, you have creativity. If you have creativity, you can have anything. So I think that's really what we're trying to do is just open the <laughs> so door to more choice. Yeah. Christa, I love your passion. It's very infectious. I'm like, well, oh, it's so good. I was like, <laughs> well, you said you get out of bed in the morning for this. I get I out do. of bed every morning to talk about it. product. Like it's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> so thanks for listening. <laughs> no, I love it. I love, I'm so in, I'm so here for it. What is the reality on the show? Oh. Who doesn't want one now? I want one. I want my very own product manager. Right, yeah. <laughs> yes, you should. Right? It sounds so powerful. I love Honestly. how you positioned it as this kind no of brainer. U- the universal. No, it's not. What's our gap yeah. here in, in Western Canada? Like there, there's I everyone think... should have one, but not everyone does. What What would your perfect world? How many, like, what's it look like? What's the Delta? I think every organization, every team, every there in every modality in an organization, there should be somebody with this mindset. You don't need to have it in title. But we, mm. we work with HR teams, right? And when, let me give you an example. When COVID was happening and they were rolling out and rolling in work from home, working <laughs> from the office, like there were so many moving parts there, right? And you think, well, would you need a project manager for that? Sure. Yes. On execution, 100%. But solving the problems that your employees had, understanding what they were, having real conversations with them, prioritizing what the most important thing was for them while they were at home, getting those things to them first figuring out what a return to work looks like. All of this was product management. Like, I hate to say this, but it runs my life and my family. So if you talk to my mom or my kid, we have this kind of language in this household that blows my mind and I love it so much. But really, it's really about identifying that problem and mapping it to the business outcome you're trying to achieve. Every single part of your organization needs that. And if you could get it, like I said, in a few modules that are easy to understand, and accessible for anybody, even if you're not technically savvy or have any experience at all in tech, it's it's such a great jumping off point. That's why we created what we created. I love it. So that brings me back to a point earlier. What is product? Define we de- define product. A product is anything that you want to have increase in value over time. Ooh, that's mm. it. Mm, I love it. It's not a physical it. thing, right? It can be a physical thing. Anything can also be a piece of software, but it could also be a process, a service, a group of people who are really behind the scenes doing work in your organization that is highly valuable, right? Like think about your finance teams and your AP process. That's a product. 
how you process and create and add fees onto your services. That's a product. You want everything over time to obviously be ticking upwards. And if you want it to tick upwards in some way, shape, or form in value, it's a product. Do you get pushback on that one? Well, yeah, but no. yeah, but I, I, for the sake of it, of course, you're very confident in your answers, which I love. But I'm curious. <laughs> I like, get challenged I'm, 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 like, oh, I never knew that is always yeah, the first yeah, thing that it. comes out okay, of people's like, I love oh, it. I get I it, it now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm going for instead of, oh, no, you're wrong. And it's like, well, that's cool. I, and it's you know, so easy to default great. to this physical thing or this SaaS product 100%. or this thing. It's so Tell easy to Tell me what you sleep. think it is. Yeah. yeah. And how does it show up in your world? Help mm. me learn. Yeah. So, right? Like, so I would love to hear from your perspective uh, what you think the limitations are around that so that we could walk that together. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> you are so good at this. <laughs> I love it. And you're so passionate about it as, as well. So yeah. talk to me a little bit about, because obviously you created Tacit. And you're on that journey. You just won an award, which is what got you. You've been on my radar and you got me on your radar all over again. That's oh. what I, I love about this small town we live in. I'm like, you know what? I and Renee's reach, I, top 40 under 40 win. Let's just not, let's not let yes, that moment I love, fly by. I, I, I was, love to brag about her like any chance I get. And I, I also was, know I looked at your profile and yes, you've also won the awards. So I did way back when. And that's when- Must I, have been a couple of years ago. Right? Whoa. What do you mean by that? Ouch. <laughs> wow. Wow. When you said you've been in it for 20 years, I was going to say you start with your 10, but you went the other way on me. Ow. <laughs> Krista, I'm glad to see we've cracked the barrier now. All right, okay. Yes. <laughs> I just turned 50 on Sunday, actually. Oh, congratulations. So I don't know what that means, yeah. except that I just turned 50 on Sunday. That's what it means. And it's I, a people, distinguished I, milestone. Well, yeah. you know, everyone like, oh, yeah, you, oh my God, is it this? And do you feel upset? I said, no, because my life is pretty, is pretty wonderful. So if it yeah. wasn't, it'd be a reminder, but it is. So I'm good. <laughs> That's my simple yeah. answer. <laughs> I'm good. And right. oh, I'm just excited about the next 50. What, what can we do now knowing maybe what we know and- getting really excited about what we are going to know, not what we thought I we agree. knew before. <laughs> Anyways, I won't break that down any further. So talk to me <laughs> about, uh, I love Top 40. It was the first time I actually felt like I was a Calgarian. And I moved here in 2000, but I was like, if I ever get Top 40, that'll mean that'll really mean I'm part of it. So what I wanted, it was fun on a, on a bunch of different levels. So great. I love the Top 40 reference and the Top 40 mm -hmm. alumni. Talk to me about Tacit. Where, where is it going? You're, you, you're now doing your own thing and you're for your own way to, to lift the world up and give us all give us all the product managers that we need. But talk to me a little bit about the journey and where you see it evolving. We, we have a really exciting road ahead of us. And primarily because I, we used all the lessons that I've talked about with mm. you on our business and our product. Love it. And so we have the future that we have visualized means that we have the most in-demand combination of skills in people in this ecosystem for us all to tap into at scale. So that means a standard of practice for product managers who want to be product managers as a vocation. We need a core competency framework uh, with accreditation and micro-credentials that are recognized globally. We need a ladder that can take you from, remember that funny word term, junior, to yes. all the way up. Like for us, we would call that like product aware, trained, next level up professional, next level up leader, next level up coach. So we, we see a lot of opportunity in industry to partner with folks uh, around the world to do this. And we're, we're a good chunk of the way through that uh, ladder today. It's all available that we've got now and we're testing it in various parts around the world with different people. And it's essentially just going to be a culmination of everything all coming together. But the beautiful thing about this is that it's not a business. It's turned into a movement, which is what we wanted. We didn't want to create a business. We wanted to create a movement. So we've 
productized everything that we do so that it can operate without us. And this means leveraging great partnerships within our ecosystems around how businesses can scale now in a way that's incremental, that's keeping our eye on the long term, which is the ability to bring a standardized, equitable, global standard of practice of product management to the world so that we can all lift together. And does that not so, yes, exist this is anywhere? incredibly important in Alberta. No. Okay, that's what's like, it just feels <laughs> but, a little but bit like. This is an emerging, it's yeah, emerging it. because, like, it stayed in its own little silo and it okay. wasn't a problem while we were hiring internally. But the second the world needed technology to move forward, okay. this became a problem. Right. That is so exciting because, of course, it's easy to think like, oh, this is happening in other places and maybe this is just happening yeah. in Calgary now. But no, that's not what I'm hearing at all. No, it's that increase of technology in our day to day. That is the shift. So before, like I said, in a, in a silo, limited, you know, obviously huge exposure for the products that we were using around the world. But now it's in the home. It's every day. It's everything that we have everything that we're wearing, everything that's in our homes, all has technology at the core. Therefore, it's time for us to get serious. And I think that we're uniquely suited to take this on because we chose to leave our careers to take the thing that was on the side of our desk and make it real and then be that cornerstone of collaboration around the world with folks that we were connected with and then have connected with others in order to increase and test and just really bring people together in the way that we would. And honestly, this is because we get out of bed in the morning wanting to take this on. It's, I think, very rare for a lot of product managers to want to teach because they're busy in their jobs. They're happy with their careers. But there's moments in time where you need people to put your hand up and say, okay, I can, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I can take a step back and I want to do this. Who's with me? And that is how everything starts, is the people saying, why not me? Why not us? And how incredible that we can do it here in Alberta. We get that a lot. Like, oh, we can't believe that it's in Alberta. That's doing this. It's like, why? Why is that so shocking to you? Because like, honestly, we've been at the center and the core of innovation in so many industries. Um, this, this, This should be no exception. And of course, the level of creativity and inspiration that we get from our peers here every day, you know, motivates us to solve the problem because I think we can move faster than the rest of the world. And I've not been wrong yet. (laughs) I love it. I am so pro. I mean, happy to government. change my mind, but yeah. no, but I, 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 I don't think I, 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 don't think I dare you. To. I dare you. No, I, I, I hear you. <laughs> is there parts of the world where you're seeing the draw for this or the pull for this of like, they get it at scale uh, or is it, or is it everywhere? Like a dull hum, almost everywhere you go. Ooh, I would say in the more populous countries, uh, okay. we see, uh, again, um, I would say that that's just a measure of more technology in being in a more advanced stage. We, okay, we have this sense. idea here in Can- Canada that we are really advanced as a society. And actually, there are quite a few gaps between us, like our tech stacks, the frameworks that we use, uh, that we develop on, are not as advanced as other places around okay. the world. And so when we hear people coming to Canada and they're applying for these jobs, they're like, we well, don't have enough Canadian experience. It really is hard it's hard for me to sit down with someone and explain to them what people don't know about what they don't know and how lucky we are that you're here and you're bringing this skill set and we will, you will find a place here. Um, it's just going to take a little bit of time. And honestly, I think in, in those populations where there's more competition, right, they have to have a standard of practice in order to be able to differentiate from each other so that they can compete on a global stage. So I would say in more populous areas around the world, we do see more uptick in interest because they're looking for that edge versus here where it's still very network driven. 
Um, I know a person that knows a person that got me the job, so I'm less likely to need a credential in addition to my formal education and experience. Um, so we're just trying to meet the market where it's at. What do you need to be successful here in Alberta? We'll give it to you this way because we know this is what you need specifically for your career here. If you're in Nigeria, it's going to look like this. Um, and this is, we know what you need based on feedback and, and, you know, that collaboration over in Europe, it's going to look like this down in the States. It needs to look like this. So we, you know, we have a presence, um, in various, uh, communities for that purpose so that we can make sure that we have the wraparound supports for folks coming into these roles. And again, just breaking down barriers to access, making sure that we can all get at it. Well, talk to me a little bit about that because so it's listening to you talk your your passion and understanding and the, your, your core belief that just comes out of why this is important and the value can drive to organizations. But talk to me about the social side, like the equity, the diversity, the making sure that we're opening the doors to everybody. Because to me, that's a obviously that shows through as I read your your, your copy. That's a huge underpinning to your deeper why. Aside from this is a thing that we all need to benefit from. Talk about the human side. Well, my two core values are equity and fairness. Everything that I do, anytime you upset me or see me mad, those are, those are the <laughs> is buttons. because one of those two things have potentially been violated. So I think when you know that about yourself, uh, Renee and I did this deep exploration. We did some Brene Brown, uh, a Dare to Lead course together. Right. We also took a ton of coaching courses together. Values exploration and understanding your why is one of the cornerstones of, I think, having a really joyful life. Because you know why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And I think the majority of our lives is we're fumbling our way through our 20s. <laughs> and if we're lucky, not all the way into our 30s, but definitely by our 40s. We want to stop living by confusing emotions and not understanding what's happening around us and why something keeps happening over and over again. Like, why do we keep on making the same mistakes? Mm -hmm. And I think that fundamentally that comes down to, uh, you know, what your level of self-awareness is and how what the quality of your relationships that you have around you and how you're able to solicit the truth from people that you care about. So I, you know, for me, this has been at the core, like remember when I told you that story about the rec center, mm -hmm. it was very much about fairness and equity that I couldn't believe not only would I be losing primetime ice for my students, which is hard if you are a hockey or, you know, rink parent of any kind, you know that it's ten, either ten, like 6 a.m. in the morning, 10 p.m. ice times, yeah. <laughs> midnight, right? We had three days a week of primetime ice for three hours, plus Saturdays from nine to noon. Like there were people that would probably murder somebody to get that ice time. And so for me, knowing that we would lose that really important part where kids were coming after school and that part of our recreational delivery service didn't seem fair to me. And so that... Hmm instantly was yes. why I was attracted to like, I could just be the skating coach here, or I could just go ahead and run the building. So I'm going to go home, have a glass of wine, write up a business plan, get it to somebody on the board and see what happens. And, I, you know, because of that conviction and that ability to stick to a vision long-term that you can make a difference, it gets you through the harder days when there's a ton of challenges. So yes, none of these problems that I've described in my career are easy problems to take on, but I believe I'm uniquely suited to do it because when it gets hard, I don't give up. And I seek to learn more about what I didn't know before as to why I failed. And the relationship that I have with Renee in that process, we share that, you know, her core values rotate around joy and equity. And so when you put those things together, I love that Venn diagram, have, actually. It's a pretty fun Venn diagram. Yeah, <laughs> it's... You know, it's magic because ultimately she keeps us close to joy. I keep us close to fairness. We both keep each other close to equity. 
And we design our courses and talk when we talk to our students, every single one of their stories matters to us. And when you read about the success that has happened with people who have moved here who otherwise would have been driving Ubers, who are now not, they are product managers contributing to our innovation path here in Alberta in the way that they can. You know, it's incredible. Like we had somebody move here that was a doctor. We all know this story, right? The doctor who can't get a job in Canada. Yeah. She's a product manager now for Deloitte. We we kept that expertise and that skill in and found a way for her to provide for her family in, you know, she did all the work, of course, but it's because somebody wanted to write a story that she could map hers to and then create wraparound supports that cheered her on in the process and helped her see her the way we did. And I think that's some of the most rewarding work that I have with folks that are newcomers is I literally sit them down and just tell them, do you see yourself the way that I see you? Here's what I see. And this little voice that you have inside your head that says you're not enough and it's really hard and you want to go home and this is it. Like, why can't I get an interview? That voice is extra cruel because it's inside and no one else can hear it. But I hear it and I want to tell it something different. So listen up. So that really is the core of like what we do. And that is, was the impetus really for the SAIT program. Not only, like I said, we wanted to be able to remove that clarity and confusion of getting into the role, Mm -hmm. but also create another pathway for Alberta to see that we could use very skilled people in product development on the, on, in their journey, if they wanted, if this was interesting to them, this is another way. I don't know. I think the future looks good. Your optimism and your enthusiasm and your passion and clarity are on the top. I have enough for everybody. I love it. I'll take a bit of it all the time. Uh, (laughs) Guilty uh, guilty of abundant enthusiasm. How many people, have have people been through your program? Is that the right way to even ask that question? Yeah, hundreds. I mean, we've got, uh, we're on like cohort 10 coming up for state. If you can believe it, uh, we are launching with Athabasca University in January of two versions of our course. We've got um, our entrepreneur program that we're growing uh, alongside, you know, Alberta Innovates, experimenting with that education to, again, really find out the next big opportunity for folks that is bite-sized, consumable education that just helps them make it less difficult to do the thing they want to do. And, you know, there's so much coming from uh, the future perspective of where this curriculum, you will see what it pop up. People are calling us all the time from all over the country and all over the globe to drop it into their curriculum. So post-secondaries are seeing this as being such a huge opportunity, especially in their business programs and their entrepreneur programs. Like what if we could drop in a couple of their modules so that people could see what it takes to build a product. Yeah. And so that's not like coming in cold. And then with with a million dollar a year dev team, you're going to try that like first, or do you want to try it with us in a safer environment? So you could ask the questions (laughs) that you're afraid to ask in front of a million (laughs) dollar a year dev team. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. So I'm listening. I'm excited. How would I get involved? Yeah. Is it, I can do it on the corner of my desk. I can show up. Like what, what would I, I always love to get down to the practicality of like, yeah, I'm excited. What can I do next? If I'm pumped about hearing what I'm here today on the show? Um, well, I mean, first of all, identifying what it is that got you excited. If you're an entrepreneur and you want to have this mindset because you want to know what good looks like and you want to feel less stress in your day to day and manage your runway better potentially look at different funding options. Then we've got a course for you. Uh, The Entrepreneur Program, we run them every five to six weeks. So you can always get in and it's a live cohort that Renee and I teach. So it's, you get all this. That sounds like a riot. Exactly. (laughs) Like, Like, yes, sign sign me up. We had folks show up and they're like, they're just like, I just needed to come for my weekly like dose. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is it. awesome. You know, there's a lot of work that's done there, but there's also community, which I think is really important yeah, that we can talk that about the things. The way you speak. Yeah. And then if you're, say, a newcomer, you're trying to pivot into product and you're really afraid because you don't have tech experience, but you have a load of other experience, say you're a project manager, a BA, or anyone with tech adjacent mm -hmm. skills, and you're looking for your new home in the future, then we have the SAFE program for you. That one's registering every 12 weeks. If you're a product professional that is ready to unlearn a couple of things and just spend some time with us on your core competency to level set you so that we can get you into a director role, that is the product manager oh, professional. Nice. Okay. You can find that on our website. That's the one that's going to at the Basque University. So we're, you know, again, it's one of those things where we want professional institutions that are training yep. folks in certain ways and have certain audiences to see and have certain curriculum. And so that's a, a great uh, opportunity for folks there starting in January. But if you just wanted to do this for free because you want to learn about it and get curious about it and just understand it, we have that too. We have a version of this program that we do for our ecosystem participants. And if you want to do it for free, just you ping us on the website and we'll send you a link and you can do it for free. I love how you've curated the different paths. Do you want to, do you want to scale up totally. in your career? Are you curious? Are you coming in and looking where you can land in this environment? Are you an entrepreneur that yeah. realizes like, hey, if I was better at this, wow, the things I could do with my crazy harebrained schemes. Like, I love it. <laughs> Yeah. And even with teams like organizations, we do a lot of organization training too as well. We did an incredible two-day session with recently with James Freeman and Converge yeah. and they brought in 21 people and we did it at in the library downtown and we taught them the core of the trained curriculum, which is that entry level that you don't need technical experience to do. And we had everyone from senior engineers to folks out in the field, sales, HR, everyone. That's such and a powerful they, way to get people comfortable with it, right? That's it so was. Powerful. And I think I they that. thought that they talked before, but then when we were doing the activities, I think they realized how much was left unsaid in a lot of their meetings, mm. which is as an organization trying to transform and really reshape and mold itself for the future as they are, their story is incredible. These were, they needed space to discover what that could look like as a team for them. And our curriculum was part of that. So, you know, really exciting ways that we can do. And obviously we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching. I spend my days online talking to people um, so much so that I'm like, it's time to go back to work. Like I would love the next <laughs> chapter of my product career to transform. And so I'm, I'm looking right now for what that would look like oh, for me. Cool. That's and like exciting. I said, because Tacit Edge is a movement now. We've, we've created something that is, has its own momentum, has its own people, is operationalized, is automated to a certain degree because we're product people and we don't like to do manual tasks. So every little thing that you think you would want for your business, we've created for ours so that we can create the life that we want. And so that that's what the future holds for me. I love it. I love the little, like you've, you've got the itch that you want to get out there and scratch of like, I doing do. Something yeah. Again. That's it's, cool. Very I cool. need to build. I wasn't stuff, sure if right? I, right now I was assuming Tacit was that, but it sounds like it it's is, moved to another again, cycle. Yeah. 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 You, you're looking for the next product. I got it. I love it. Yes. And the next story, right? I want to be able to come on this podcast with you, you know, a couple of years from now 100%. and talk about some really cool thing that, you know, we did and learned. And I retested it again in process. a really tough environment with a really tough challenge and, right? op and opportunity. And here's how, and here, and here's what I learned. Because <laughs> the best yeah. part about that is you're going to learn. I'm like, 
100%. Krista, thank you so much for coming on. What a great chat. I love you. I see oh, why Tyler, people like to get their you. Krista fix. Your energy is infectious. <laughs> I love it. I'm just going to reach out. I like, so just that. have five minutes for a quick chat. No, I really, uh, like I said, I knew of you. I knew who you were. I've seen you at events. We've probably said hello, but to sit down and actually uh, you to spend an hour of your time sharing what you're the most passionate about. Thank you. Filled me, filled me up and hopefully gave our audience, well, not hopefully, gave our audience a lot of things to be curious about. That's my five people leave, go, you know what? After your show, I, I, I started doing some research about something. I'm like, perfect. Then it did its job. <laughs> then it did its job. <laughs> yeah. And, and thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with your audience. I've, this has been awesome. So thank you. A pleasure. Thank you so much. And, uh, and yes, you're on. We will chat again. Maybe, maybe I won't wait two years, but we will chat again. I will leave it. Hopefully not. <laughs> oh, hey. What, yeah, no. I was like, what's the best way to, um, uh, what's the best way? Tacit Edge, uh, LinkedIn, like what's your you know favorite? What? We we love it on LinkedIn. You can find us there. Nice. Uh, we live on there. It's yes. one of our favorite places to convene, and that's where product lives. We've discovered on LinkedIn. Mm. Uh, so by all means, check us out, uh, Tacit Edge. You can follow us and me, Krista J Hill, on um, my own profile and Renee Matsala on hers. And then, of course, you can always contact us through our website. We've got we've got technology for that too. So <laughs> of course, you do. whatever whatever your social of choice, you can find us, and uh, we're happy to chat. Amazing. Krista, thanks so much for your time today and thanks for the work you do. I love it. Thank you. 